And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of the Glue Guys, a normal, <laughs> uh, just another, just another show. Nothing to see here. Boring. Uh, just skip this one. Wait, what's this? Mm, so, oh, something, something from the wire. <laughs> fresh, fresh out the fax machine. The Kyle Corver sponsored fax machine. <laughs> the Brooklyn. <laughs> that's funny. The Brooklynettes have traded for. James Harden? Let's talk about it on today's show. Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, netsdaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall because there's so much good writing to read right now. Theathletic.com slash glue guys, $4 a month. Brian? Slow news day, Mike. Slow, slow news. Slow, slow news week, actually. And let's just expand it out. I mean, we we've been we were trying to like pinpoint the best time to do a podcast, and I think we honestly we've been wrong about this a lot in the past. I mean, it's kind of a meme on the show where literally anytime we we do the pod, then then Shams will tweet, and that'll be it. Um, you said you said I want Shams on that. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> keep, it, keep it in the brand and in the company because we are yeah. with the athletic. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, sorry, I forgot. No. Um, <laughs> I forgot that the corporate overlords are have stolen my voice box. Uh, no, but it's like it's quite a news day, Mike. I mean, take us through it. What do we do? What, what What do I say? I we stand here on the edge of the new Nets dynasty. Sometimes when a, a, a new royalty line is formed. You don't really know how persistent it is going to be, right? I think, in fact, that we know that the Nets will never lose a game for the history of the NBA. Wow. Uh, they will win eight championships in a row. Whoa. Bronny James is eventually going to join the Nets, and w- so will his dad, LeBron James. And the Nets' mm. starting lineup in 2027 will be Bronny James, LeBron James, James Harden, Ooh. Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. But seriously, Brian, this is it, it's really insane. And unprecedented and crazy. Trying to wrap. Yeah. I have, I'm still in denial a little bit. Like I have, it hasn't like sunk into me. I'm just like trying to get the right take. I'm still in the intellectualizing <laughs> it phase of the thing and it hasn't really sunk in totally. So I'm excited to see, to hear what you think. And so to trace it back today. So here's what this is on the record for today. If someone could send this to the Smithsonian, they will get a, a firm understanding of what happened on January 13th, 2021. To begin the day, we had Twitter videos from last night of James Harden, you know, basically shitting on the Houston Rockets saying, he's like, I've done what I can here. I love this city, but I, I, 
essentially saying publicly, I just want to leave. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. So from there, we get reports from Houston, and I believe they were all from the Houston Rockets, talking about how the Rockets want to get a deal done today. You know, they, they and the Sixers and the Nets are the two seemingly competing offers. And the Rockets, if anybody watches a Million Dollar Listing, the Rockets were looking for their best and final. Okay, looking for that best and final offer. Okay, let's no no more BSing around on a hundred thousand dollars here or there. Best and final, thirty day escrow, full cash. Here's the deal. And as it was going along throughout the day, we're getting Mark Stein tweets, we're getting Sham Sharania tweets, we're getting Woj tweets, we're getting Ramona Shelton. Well, actually, Ramona waited to throw the axe at the very end. We're we're getting those tweets, and it seemed like Philly. Was going to be the team because they had Ben Simmons. There was reports that the Rockets wanted Thibel and they wanted Therese Maxey, and that the Sixers were trying to protect Maxey and Thibel. And maybe out oh, here you can have Matisse Thibel, but we're going to take Tyrese Maxey. We the 76ers, we're going to protect him like a baby calf in the woods. And I really was feeling like I was preparing for James Harding to be a Philadelphia 76er and that the Nets would continue to be under this Kyrie cloud with Kevin Durant having to carry the bubble Nets. And what ended up happening was that your Brooklyn Nets came through in the end and literally gave up every future asset they had, plus Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Rodion's Karutz. And we will pay respects to and, them. And Torian Prince. Don't forget. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, wow. Wow. That's fine. I don't have to be. Gee. That's fine. Goodbye, Torian Prince. <laughs> Brian, let's get to it. Let's get to it. So let's dig in. You, let's dig in. Do you, are you happy? Are you excited where you are? How do you feel like this is going to work? You know, because this is such a complex trade. It's almost unprecedented the amount of offensive talent the Nets are going to trot out. I honestly think that no team in the history of the NBA has this much talent offensively, whether it'll work, I don't know. How do you feel? Um, I'm reminded, Mike, of a Netflix series, mini-series potentially, the title of which I won't remember the name. So this is this is going to get really good quickly here, <laughs> in which they talked about relationships and uh, somebody is talking to like their therapist or whatever, and uh, they describe their conception of a of a relationship as – you know, you're a rocket ship and you have to hurtle out of your atmosphere like hot enough and hard enough and fast enough to then just break out into space. And then once the relationship is in space, everything is a little bit easier and you're kind of gliding towards the end destination of, I don't know, death, whatever. And in a lot of ways, I feel like <laughs> I feel like um, the championship team built building experience is not unlike the monogamy the, the monogamous relationship and that it needs to have that first like rocket fueled burst through the atmosphere to get to the place where you might be um, like feeling, feeling common and good and like repeating that experience and the, the joys of it over and over again. Um, I wonder if they, if the early returns on this team had people a little bit unsure of whether we were going to have enough rocket fuel to get out of that atmosphere and to that, I say, I'm I'm not sure you're wrong. I think that that might be where I think we were going to be headed in another week or two. I mean, coming off a hot win against the Nugs last night, don't get me wrong, that was a fun game. But how much two steps forward, one step back can we do before the rocket begins to show signs of not having the fuel? So yeah, macro-wise, that's sort of where I am. Did you like that, Mike? That, yeah. that was beautiful. Yeah. Unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Though a rocket analogy is pretty nice. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, I hadn't thought that. 
I actually agree with you. Like before our last pod, I think we potted on Monday or whatever it was that I was like throwing out like a Bradley Beal trade or a Kyle Lowry trade. And I had a feeling that Kevin Durant, I kind of got a sense from Kevin Durant on the floor. He was looking around at the rest of the team. You see Kyrie Irving's completely missing. Kyrie Irving's on uh, Manhattan DA candidate Zooms mm-hmm. while Kevin Durant is busting his rehabbed Achilles behind out there yeah. on the floor. The butt and, of his Achilles. Yeah. And he and he's looking around at like he probably loves Karis Levert, sure. He's looking at like, you know, Jared Allen and all these nice people that we all have grown to love mm-hmm. and we will pay respects to, of course. Um but I think he's looking around thinking like how he used to be on the Warriors with Steph and Clay and Draymond. And without Kyrie, this team doesn't feel like that. Like this team feels like uh, a Thunder team without Russell Westbrook. And there there was a sense of urgency, I think, from the Houston Rockets. So something happened, right, with, with Harden coming out last night after the game and saying, I don't want to be here, basically. And that the Houston Rockets set the best and final offer out there that they had a sense of urgency. I also think the Nets did, too. I thought I think the Nets realized, and Sean Marks realized, like, you know what? We do have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We got lucky that we had the cap space to get them and not having to give up anyone, except for technically we gave up D'Angelo Russell, right? Like, they, you know, they had to let him go. I think they realized, like, if we're going to do this, we have to be fully in and fully committed to this moment in time. And... Holding on to Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, who are very helpful players. And I, I actually miss the – I think the loss of Jared Allen's bigger than Karis LeVert. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was going to get into all that, but I, I 100% agree. Yep. Yeah. And, and so we saw the Lakers go all in for Anthony Davis. We saw the Clippers go all in for Paul George. Worked for the Lakers, didn't work for the Clippers. James Harden's better than Paul George. I can easily say that. Anthony Davis is better than James Harden, but – there's like they're two different worlds, you know. Mm-hmm. They're just two different monsters. Yes. Yeah. As much as as scary as this is, as much as the specter of the 2013 KG Paul Pierce trade continues to hang over the franchise, this is an absolute no-brainer, Brian. Wow, there it is. The Nets gave up on their current roster. Karis LeVert, we all we all know and love. Jared Allen, we all know and love, and Rodion's Karuks mm-hmm. for the greatest offensive power of his generation consistent offensive power there's no player of his generation that has been able to produce offense at the rate that James Harden has and they got him for Karis LeVert who we all know and love and Jared Allen mm-hmm. and that was it I mean I know there's draft picks and we can talk about that but yes. that was it so basketball wise the team hashtag got better well, I think there's a lot to that inside of all of what you're talking about. I think like what's interesting is how much people talk about mortgaging the future and all this. And, I, you know, Karis and, and um, Jared Allen obviously are part of that future to a certain extent, but also kind of not really. Like there is the, the Jared Allen financial situation that we've been talking about, you know, up to this point, um, like we had kind of been predicting that of the players that were likely to get traded this season, Jared Allen for – a few reasons, but not least of which financial would be probably one of the more likely players. Um, I'm <laughs> taking a photo for everyone. Oh, you're taking a photo. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Um, but this goes into something like even more that I, like I think about just in terms of like team building philosophy stuff. 
Oh, what is this? What? You're really getting in there. <laughs> I need another photo. The first one was. Oh, jeez. Like I'm gesticulating like a madman. This isn't that in terms of like team building philosophy stuff. I think that we have this. Um, we fall on the side of like dynasty building uh, very quickly. And like the, the, con- the per- perception of a dynasty is a kind of a malleable one, right? Like what actually constitutes a dynasty. It seems to be somewhere along the lines of like three championships within a, I don't know, five-year window. There's like some like, you know, Goldilocks number there. Um, and what people generally think is that you want to be building towards that archetype. That is the the highest like echelon of basketball excellence is the dynasty. And I think that that's probably true, but also um, a bit of a, like a logical fallacy and that like is a success window, like this very brief blip of time in which you could actually win some championships, not of equal importance or at least like comparable importance to the dynastic ambition. So like I look at anytime the heat have been good with in recent memory, not maybe not like, you know, recent, recent because they've been good with more like sort of dynastic team building tendencies than success windows. But in the past, that has just been a team that shelled out for star players and it paid off because they have a really well-oiled machine that, you know, gets even star players in line and they figure out how to make that thing work. Um, I don't know if the Nets have that sort of Pat Riley militaristic quality to it <laughs> quite yet that, like, seems to I think break, it's the opposite, frankly. <laughs> break the Shaqs and LeBrons of the world down to down to their core and, and get back to, you know, they're like Rocky training with the logs instead of, you know, instead of... Uh, the Russian guy with his fancy equipment, you know, he, he makes him use work out with logs anyways. But the point that I'm trying to say <laughs> is, is that like, I think that it is a, it is a logical fallacy to just assume that like striving, like perpetually striving for dynasty territory at the expense of actually winning the championships is something more noble or worth doing, which is where like, I feel like Boston is currently in, they are in dynasty territory but just like missing the the winning the championship component like they've been good for a really long time time not good enough to win so like what does it ultimately matter yeah and i think here's what's at stake for the nets to go real big picture as you're talking about here so you have the lakers right the lakers are an established dynasty and and the lakers had a down period right before lebron came and obviously they've just won a championship Seems like the the NBA favorites right now, and they're heading in a really great direction. The Lakers will always be attractive. If you look at around the rest of the NBA, there really isn't many teams that are like always attractive. It's actually probably only the Lakers. And Miami is like one of the teams that's like like the tier below. If you're new tier two, tier one's the Lakers, tier two, like Miami. I'm trying to think of like other teams. Like the Bulls should be, but the Bulls don't spend money. It should be the Knicks. And that's kind of where you come back to the Nets. And the whole operating theory behind the Nets move to Brooklyn was to compete with the Knicks and to become not New York's team because you're never going to take that away from the Knicks. I'm sorry to say this, Nets fans. It's not going to happen. But to become the team that players who want to live in New York come to instead of the Knicks because they don't want to go there because of James Dolan or just the amount of attention, the, the negativity surrounding the franchise. They just... Who wants that, right? We've talked about, you know, Fat Joe's line about why KD wanted to go to the Nets because he didn't want that smoke. Well, why would you want to be living in smoke? Smoke's bad. I have a solo stove here, yeah. a smokeless stove. That's what it's known as. It's a smokeless fire pit. 
I feel like I, that's a good thing. That's a positive. I no smoke. I just threw positive. out a toaster that was smoking on me, and I didn't. Yeah, who wants that? That's too. That's not good for you. The Nets by making this trade. If I'm Joe Sy, so I think what happened is Joe Sy, who's an influential owner within the team, we've already seen him step in and seemingly be a major factor in why Kenny Atkinson was fired. Most notably in the coup of Jalen Hands. That was the... That was <laughs> the Hands coup. The Hands coup. <laughs> the seditionists of the Jalen Hands mafia. Um, yep. If I'm Josiah, so Josiah obviously signs off on this trade. I mean, you don't do this without you're talking to your owner. And we've seen Josiah have an impact on Kenny Atkinson, on Jalen Hands, and on like... He's had some role in bringing in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He probably looked at this as a big bet moment that business people would. And that if we get James Harden now, yeah, we don't have draft picks for the next eight drafts. I mean, they have pick swaps, but let's let's be honest. There's going to be bad picks for the most part. You kind of hope they are. Oh, you don't hope they are, but whatever. We're not going to have picks for the next eight drafts. The, the Nets sit here with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. The team is very good, though we don't have any clue what's happening with Kyrie Irving right now, which is something we have to talk about. You get James Harden now, while the Knicks are down, and we're we're talking before the Knicks-Nets game, so I have no clue what's happened by the time most people are listening to this. This is the time to establish the Nets as the continual place to where if you're an NBA free agent in the player movement era, in the player empowerment era... The Nets will spend money. The Nets will make the big move. The Nets will do everything they possibly can to help you, the player, win. And we got Kevin Durant. We brought his friend Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. We just got another one of his famous friends who happens to be an electric talent in James Harden. We're doing everything we can going all in on the current day product, right? We're not like trying to hold back anything. And when people, when owners hold back is when they get into trouble. When they try to to save a little money or do a little no, the Nets went effing all in. And we can talk about basketball fit and everything. I think the message it sends, even though this could be like a bad situation, it could be. We can talk about that. I think it they went all in. They sent a message that like this team is fucking insane right now. And one last yeah, just and to piggyback on that, it is uh I think it's an interesting data point. I mean, like, not that we needed to do more of this after Kevin Durant agrees to sign with the Nets in free agency. But from here, from henceforth, the Nets will just like kind of backhandedly, not even like consciously be thrown into the conversation of every large free agent, every, like every large like superstar, like in the way that the Lakers and the Heat are, the Nets uh, will fill in some kind of gap. And there's like a headspace that that occupies that like has some downstream value in a weird way. And not to say that that like justifies any of this stuff, but I just think that like, in terms of everything that's been happening to the Nets franchise in the last year, um, this is just yet another data point to suggest that, like, that we have entered that echelon of basketball mindedness, or I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just like we're part of that group that just gets thrown in as, like, an obvious landing spot for sensational player X, you know, and that's valuable. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Oh, we'll be right back, and we're going to do just like the nitty gritty, like, how does Harden fit on the team? What do we feel about losing Levert and Allen and Rodion's Karuk's and Torian Prince? Um, overall, like quick thoughts about the trade. Got to talk a little Kyrie. Gotta and we got to talk a little Kyrie. This is going to be a long one, folks. Let's start so with that. Let's start with that a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back. So, Brian, you want to start with Kyrie here? So, I do only because as it relates to the Harden trade. I love it. Do you think, and this is sort of a question that's been, I can't land on myself and I'll pose it to you because you're a trusted ally, a friend even, I would I was go, I would go as far to say. Um, do you think that the James Harden trade, the trigger was pulled in some sense to uh, either hedge the bet of the Kyrie situation or to yank him out of whatever, whatever noble or, or maybe in. not noble thing he's up to. It's really hard to know Oof. at the moment. Uh, and get him back into feeling motivated to play to win championships. Um, is there is that the only two sides of the spectrum? Is there more to it than that? Do you think that he influenced this at all in any way? I can't decide. It's hard for me to know. I hope that he didn't influence it, right? Because if he did, that's a panic move. Right. I think the urgency, as I kind of said before, is I think it's from the Rockets. The Rockets had that moment last night where Harden comes out and craps all over the team. Pulled down his pants at the press conference <laughs> well, at least and defecated I mean, <laughs> on the Houston Rockets logo. It's important to get that order correct. Yeah. yeah. So he, he came out and did that. That didn't actually happen, but verbally he did so. And the Rockets, I imagine Tillman Fertitta called Raphael Stone, the Rockets GM, Tillman Fertitta, the Rockets owner, and said, enough of this BS. You know what's so funny is that the Rockets acted like through their reported sources they were going to let this James Harden thing play out. They're they're willing to be uncomfortable, I think, was the line. Which even at the time, I was like, that is so dumb. Yeah, <laughs> It's just yeah. straight up dumb. Yeah. Because to think that you as a new GM can handle the level of uncomfortableness a mega superstar like James Harden could cause, you can't. Like, And they proved that they couldn't handle it anymore. So they were motivated to make a trade immediately. And we're getting reports, blah, blah, blah. Now, the Kyrie issue, I think, is it is something we have to learn about, is that how uh, extended will this sabbatical be for Kyrie Irving? You know, and like, it is a pretty nice hedge if you can pull off getting James Harden to sort of buttress yourself against the possibility that Kyrie Irving... Is just going to continually be a, a presence that keeps leaving and entering the Nets over the course of the remainder of his contract, right? Like, and it also gives the ability to be like, "Hey, Kevin, let me li- listen to us for a second. I'm Sean Marks right now. Sans accent. I'm Sean Marks. I know you love Kyrie, but we just got you, James Harden, and I'm just saying we could turn Kyrie into." couple of good role players, some defensive players to fill out our roster. Like there's how Kyrie- devious of you. And then Kevin Durant immediately is like, you snake. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then on, then Sean Marks is fired immediately. Yeah, yeah. If he even suggests that. No, I, 
I think the Kyrie stuff is real. Meaning, I think it's a real issue. Don't you? Like, don't you think it's... This isn't like some made-up fairy tale of, like, Kyrie yeah. is just like... <clears throat> well, it's funny. We were talking about this in the, in the car uh, of, like, why... Um, like, what is so interesting about Kyrie's Irving of, like, kind of of being frustrating, which, like, there's been a lot of frustrating NBA players, and, you know, some people can identify with it. So, like, what's so funny, inter- well, what's so interesting about Kyrie's is, like, it's implaceable. It's fr- his frustratingness is, like, without a a story. It's not, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, you can't, you can't hold on to it. It just, it's sand it just falls right through your hands. <laughs> it's just like, but it's just frustrating. Like, why, why won't you, why won't you play? Just play the game. I don't just know. play the game. <laughs> I, I do want to talk. Let's talk about Kyrie all that later. Cause, yeah. cause I want to get to the good juicy stuff of Harden. Please. Yeah. But it was important to, to bring that up now because I, it is a question that we have to know. Like, why do the Nets make this move now? I think it was because of the Houston Rockets had a, a sense of urgency regarding up. the Harden situation. I imagine the owner, again, wanted to get this done. Um, and I do think, though, there's probably a, a partial consideration from the Nets' perspective that they wanted to make this deal now because there's some unsuredness with Kyrie. But. The fit. Let's get to basketball fit. Great. Right? Are you are you actually worried? So I've already heard people be like, of course we have. You know, the people are like, how are these three people are going to play basketball together? How are they going to share the basketball? Is there going to be a rule from Governor Cuomo that uh, the, the Nets will be allowed to play with two basketballs on the court while other teams are only allowed to play with one? Mm. You know, no one has said that. That would be a bad joke. I just made it up. Are you worried? Um, yeah, so this is like, I have my pros and cons list here and really the only like actual con in the, in the whole scenario here is that like, this is not an obvious fit. Uh, There is a pretty conspicuous imbalance on the court, uh, especially with the loss of Jared Allen, who was, um, a very important part of what we were, what we were doing in the games that we were successful. Um, so like, yeah, that's a big that is a big red flag and a big issue for this. And, and it's the only thing, and it's like, it, it's obviously very important, but it's the only thing that I can point to and say like, um, this doesn't necessarily uh, make this whole situation very breezy and obvious um, in all the ways that you would, you would hope. Um, I will say this though, with regards to, I, I don't know if people have been able to pick up on this. I think people in the discord, shout out to the discord. If you want to be in the discord at BK glue guys on Twitter there is a, a link in the bio there. Just click on that sucker. We're having a good time at game time. Come on in. Um, people have picked up on this. I've been sort of a snake in the grass about my cri- criticisms of uh, Karis Levert. You've probably been able to pick up on this on the show. Uh, but I And don't get me wrong. Let me always preface it with I want Levert to be the best. I love him. You know, he's a homegrown talent. It's a special connection. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, wish him the best going forward. But I was critical of a lot of what he was doing on the basketball court, and I never thought that it was going to be a good fit with that situation. And so I think that, like, insofar as we're weighing out fits, um, you know, we're 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 gaining a high usage guy, but we're also giving up a high usage guy. So it's not so obvious that, like, oh, like, well, Karis Levert was part of what was making us like hum like a like a Swiss train, or I don't know, something that hums <laughs> a Swiss nicely. train. <laughs> like a Swiss gr- watch? Like a, like a yeah, water, grandfather clock, who knows what. Uh a hummingbird? Anyways. But 
<laughs> but something Sorry. that was a well-oiled machine, Michael, is what is what I'm really trying to get at. Um, and I don't think Karis was really part of what was making that work when it was at his best. And that's not to say that like he wasn't on his way up. You know, he was definitely on his way up. But he is a sort of a high volume usage, low efficiency guy that of which we have a few at that position. And it's you know, it's hard to say because I know Nets fandom loves Karis. And, and I love Karis too. But anyways, I'm, I don't want to dig down too deep on that. But I do think that like while we're trying to be like, hey, this is not a good basketball fit. Let's look at the basketball fit that was going on that prep that was leading up to this. And I, I can't say this enough. So the first round picks, and the pick swaps like headline the deal out of the Nets, right? Like so it when you see that, you think, oh, my God, the Nets gave up so much. Let's live in the moment, Brian. Oh, let's always. let's grab each other's pre- virtual hands <laughs> okay. and live in the moment. What the Nets gave up is Karis LeVert, who you're describing as a you know a high usage, you know we love him, clunky kind of player, right? He he's not a good catch and shoot guy. He ultimately just needs the ball in his hands, and when he does have the ball in his hands, it kind of is like just it. It's not flow of offense, right? And Jared Allen. And we'll talk about Jared Allen. Jared Allen, who matters a lot defensively and is a beautiful cog to have on the team. But they only gave up those two players for the one of the greatest offensive players in the history of the NBA and a guy who just last season averaged 34 points, seven, almost eight assists, and almost seven rebounds. You know? And 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 while like so he shot 12. Uh, he, he had 12 attempts from three last year on 36%. He's a highly efficient player. And you know what's interesting about this year is that like people are like, oh, he's fallen off this year, which I understand. Like you could you could say that because he looks like super fat. Well, he I'm gonna address like, that too, because you know I've been team thick. I've yeah. been thick mob. Yeah. Mob so, mob thick. Yeah. So last year, James Harden had 34 points per game. This year he's at 25 points per game. The difference is just that he's shooting the ball the ball a lot less and he's getting to line a little bit less. That's probably because he doesn't want to be in Houston. Mm. Right? Like last year he shot he had 22 shots per game. This year it's 17 shots per game. Last year he got to the line 12 times a game or 12 free throw attempts a game and this year he's around 7.5 free throw attempts a game. That's the only reason why he's averaging 25 points per game this year compared to last year at 34 points, just because he's, like, disinterested. Yeah. And if we're supposed to believe the reporting, he wanted to be in Brooklyn. He wanted to play with Kevin Durant. I don't know if he wants to play with Kyrie Irving, but he wanted to play with Kevin Durant. I would imagine his interest level increases, and we're not going to see the the super thick James Harden. I think that's an illusion. But what mm. do you think of the <clears> – <throat> There's, like, that, that video going around that um... – so uh, big cat. Are you familiar with the, the yeah. sports entity, big cat, yeah. uh, you know, tweet, <laughs> did some retweeting of, uh, and for me as a guy, uh, who, you know, flirts with thickness of a kind, uh, I know where Mom. you, where you tuck your shirt and where you don't, where that like linchpin of the tuck is supposed to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and I think James Harden in that moment wasn't sensitive to where the where the tuck is from the profile. Not to say that he hasn't gained weight, which he obviously has, but I think he was he's been doing himself a disservice in certain with certain outfits. I think he is so actually I think it's the opposite. I think he is conscious of his body image and he literally and he's leaning was, into it. He yeah. was tucking his shirt so he would look fat. <laughs> 
And that is, I <laughs> honestly here, believe But that. here's the thing. I come from the world where I've literally. Because he looks fat. I've changed my philosophy on this. I think, I think thickness is a legitimate, like, u- utility in basketball going forward. Like, it, it makes your position go up. And insofar as that creates, like, I think it creates value. I think, like, you're going to see the next generation of centers are these P.J. Tucker you know, thick boys who are, doesn't really, it's really about the leg size rather than height. That's, that's what I'm honestly trying to like say. I'm so there's like fit concerns just because Harden, Harden hasn't like, even though he has shared the ball with Chris Paul and he shared the ball with Russell Westbrook, it's not like really sharing the ball. It's just like here, Chris, you can now have the ball. You can do it for a moment and then I'll get it back. And everyone stands around. The thing I'm, I'm bullish about is that, Typically, in the history of the NBA, when you add a talent like this to a roster that is already talented, it pays off. It like, sure, you can put up examples of it exploding. And we'll talk about how this compares to the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade, which I don't think you can compare. Um, but when you add Kevin Durant to the Warriors, when you add, you know, another supernova talent to an already talented team, it usually pays off. It like pretty much always pays off. And even though Harden was diminished this year, I think only from an interest standpoint, if you look at his averages, he's the same guy. He's actually averaging the second most of assists per game in his career in a season when he's allegedly selfish, right? So I just want to I want to paint a picture for you, Brian. Okay. Here's a lineup I have in my head that I cannot I cannot shake. Okay. This is an end of game offensive lineup. Kyrie Irving and James Harden are the guards. Joe Harris, and let's say TLC, could be Landry Shamet if it's just offense. Or could, the be Bruce, could be Bruce Bone. Not sorry, Bruce, Bruce Brown. Jeez, <laughs> that was a Freudian and slip. And at center is Kevin Durant, right? So you have Kyrie, one of the best three-point shooting point guards. James Harden, one of the three best three-point shooters in the history of the NBA. Just like pure volume and ability to hit him. Kevin Durant, one of the greatest shooters of all time. Joe Harris, top three shooter right now in the NBA. And then anyone else. And I know we 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 complain and we moan about, about fit. But the fact is that this lineup is so shooting heavy in a positive sense that you're just going to have like an amazing, like it, it's incredible to think about. I don't know. I know we can complain about it, but... If all these guys can shoot, all right. So just have one guy controlling the ball and everyone else kind of hanging out, waiting for the ball. And then they shoot. It's amazing. I don't know. It's a, Are you, uh, I mean, here's what they're all going to say, though. Mike, <clears throat> who's playing defense? Who's going to play the D? Who's going to do it? Answer me that, Mike. Who's doing it? It is childish, Brian. <laughs> childish <laughs> that people are worried well, about it. Actually, further to that whole argument, the, the yeah. next extension off that <clears throat> is that like, uh, everyone now hates the Nets. This is the most like uh, easy, like loathable team, I guess, in in a while. Uh, <clears throat> how do you feel about that? Do you think that that uh, has a the ability to anneal the 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 team within the team and, and make them all feel like uh, it's us against the world and that's a good thing? Um, do you feel like that has a a cancerous effect? Do you feel like do you feel just generally good to be like? I know that you're kind of an antagonistic guy in general. Uh, and just having that um, energy fixated on you, that might might feel good for a person like you. I don't know. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. um, 
So in my uh, glue guys rundown on Google Docs, um, things I love and concerns in the things I love column is that we're uh, fucking villains. Uh, I didn't even the, see the things. Yeah, I, yeah. The Nets great. are villains. The Nets are the villains of the NBA. Think about this for a second. When Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, everyone called him like a cupcake and a snake, and he was vilified for joining, you know, a beautiful basketball team and a guy who I think was excited to join the Warriors because they played so beautifully. Harden has completely nuked the Rockets, and there's already been a anti-Harden bias across the NBA, which I was frankly a part of, um, I'll admit. Um, but a lot of guys in the NBA... Hated the way Harden and the Rockets played. Iso ball with four people standing around. It was ugly. So people hate Harden. People hate Kevin Durant. But you know who they hate more than anyone in the entirety of the NBA? It's your boy, mm. Kyrie Irving. Chill bro. Chill bro. Kyrie. Uh, particularly because <laughs> yeah. of the moment we're in. Everyone yeah. hates Kyrie Irving. And you know what? I fucking love that mm. about this team right now. I love wow. that energy. Because, wow. you know, with being the villain, I remember what being the villain brought LeBron and Wade and Bosch when they everyone hated them. Obviously, they lost the championship the first year, but they came back and won it the second year. Yeah, I think it. I think it's a good energy. It's yeah. a, it, it, it's a brand. You know, it's a good. The Nets are Ursula. You know, totally. They, they are the the woman in One Hundred One Dalmatians. Who likes to, I guess, wear Dalmatian skin? Isn't that what that was her bit? That she yeah, or like, eat them alive or something. I forget. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, totally. Are you okay with being a villain right now, Brian? I like it. Well, I like it mostly because so I don't really do the tweeting from our Twitter, but I love the reply guys who I'm calling them reply guys. I don't know if this is a thing, but they just like pop Ooh, up. They that. have no, they have no followers. They they only seem to like shit post on about like very specific players, the hardened reply guys on our timeline, all of a sudden that's a vibe. I like it. It's like, it's a really <laughs> interesting vibe of guys that just go around and be like, like, Oh, he's fat and gross. Like shut up. Harden sucks. And he's over, you know, like that energy that you can only, there's only a certain few players that any, in any window of time that can inspire randos from the internet to just like show up in other people's timelines to just like spew. Um, it's great. That's like a, that's like a very particular vibe. Um, just from like having from the Twitter perspective, mostly, um, I'll be interested to see how, how, uh, like, cause I don't know. I don't know. I'll be interested to see how the whole team responds around, around this whole thing. Because like for the longest time, the nets have been this like sort of everyone's cute, darling, cute little, they're like the AMC networks, even though that's owned by James Dolan. But they're like the AMC networks of the cable lineup. Meaning yeah. like they have Mad Men, they have like some good culture hits. But now they just got The Walking Dead. Like they literally just signed The Walking Dead and they're a behemoth. Right? And how like how can we like this was the Mad Men Breaking Bad network, but now we're suddenly like we're putting on a TV show that is literally the most popular cable show of all time. That is what we're delivering right now. Um so we're AMC, which is again owned by the Dolans, so it's a little little of an awkward thing watch out mike do you think Kyrie's happy about this trade wow that's so interesting i hadn't like thought about about that because it is hard like i've just like tried to transpose my brain into his and uh basically what i saw was like an episode of the midnight gospel you know it was like (laughs) it was it was i couldn't get in um i don't know i don't know what Kyrie would think about this 
Um, I don't know where Kyrie's like ego evaluation is. Cause it seems like to be like an attempt at being like, uh, like trying to stifle his ego constantly, but while at the same time, like kind of having a hard time actually doing that and seeming like he has a, the, the ego of non-ego is sort of what I, what I get from Kyrie Irving a little bit. So I think like on, if I had to guess on the surface, he'd be like, great, this is like more firepower we've become this super team suddenly uh but maybe there's a little goblin on his shoulder <laughs> I, don't, I don't know they're good i mean everyone's got one right everyone's got their goblins yeah i think it's two ways like you were like obviously Kyrie doesn't suffer pawns mm. um and and so uh james harden is not a pawn no so he probably Kyrie probably thought of jared allen as a pawn and now, <laughs> and and now it's like I finally have a rook. Yeah. Yay! If we're doing the chess analogy, which yeah. we should do, killer comparisons. Oh, chess, chess pieces. pieces! Yeah, we we definitely should. That's oh, we have top, another, top of the but list. I think another side of Kyrie <laughs> is probably like, you know how when you're at a party, okay? This let's say let's say this is a party where like it's a bunch of different groups of friends, and you're there with like your one good friend and you don't really have other friends at that party. And you're like, well, I've got a good connection and conversation going on with this friend. I'm going to be okay. And then your friend's friend walks into the party and you're like, shit, I'm going to have to share the conversation now. And I may lose my friend because, because they're just going to start talking with this other person. We're not going to be able to talk about the same things. Oh my God. I could feel like Kyrie is going to feel that way about Kevin Durant and James Harden. James Harden and mm. Kevin Durant have a much deeper history. They've played together. They went to the NBA Finals together. Um, I'm sure Kevin has always felt hurt that James was traded to the Rockets. Here comes his old buddy James through the door, and Kyrie is like, but I thought we were friends. And now you got your old buddy in here. How am I going to feel about this? And so I could is this called triangulation? Is that a thing? I feel like that's yeah. the, yeah, that's the, yeah, the triangulation of the nets. Yeah. Um, so I could see him being worried about that, but I, he doesn't suffer pawns. So I imagine he doesn't view James Harden as a pawn. I, I it's, I, I learned so much about you in that moment, so much more about you than, than, than <laughs> the nets, nets friendship, because whenever somebody else's friend comes in, it's, oh, we're still going to be talking about esports. That's, you know, that doesn't change. <laughs> that's, that's one track mind. And if not, you're, you're out. I can't help you. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, what is your biggest concern mm. about the trade? Obviously, I think the defense is a real thing, and I'll be more specific. I'm super concerned with DeAndre Jordan being the starting center and the primary center who's going to have to get 30 minutes a game now than if he was splitting minutes with Jared Allen. That's my biggest concern. Don't you think it's a little bit of a flex, too, though, from Sean Marks to be like, don't worry, I've filled up the gaps before... I will continue to fill up the gaps again. Like the Jeff Green, Bruce Brown situations, those are working out. Torian Prince, not so much. Landry Shamit, we'll see. But like, I feel like Sean Marks has a, like a lot of confidence in that. Like, I'll just like pick something up from the waiver wire. We'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like <laughs> that's a little bit how I feel about him. Um, uh, the first question, I guess. So, what is like the big, the main concern in the whole thing? Is that what the yeah? Is that, um, honestly, it's for me, and it's kind of sucks because. It's, I don't know. I want to give him, it's the Kyrie Irving unknown. It's, it's it, like, I've heard everyone's just talking about random stuff. There's no like actual 
good authoritative lead on what is happening there. And like the worst of the worst is like, he might just like sit out the whole season for, for whatever reason, for zoom call. I don't know what it is. I have no idea what's going on. That's, and there's like just that unknowable, um, element is like, it's, it's, uh, it's a little, makes you feel a little helpless. Like what? And so like Harden shores that up to a very large extent, a Kevin Durant, James Harden led, team is cool and i would like to i'm excited to see that happen but if that third part the Kyrie Irving part isn't part of it i'll feel like always like it's it's still this thing hovering over this unknowable x factor um and i don't know i just hope that that gets resolved very soon one way or the other yeah and so i think so we're recording this at 6 41 p.m right now eastern standard time and steve nash has done his pregame availability and he has not commented on the Harden trade right now. I don't know if Marks, I'd imagine Marks is probably going to talk like tomorrow or something, right? Like he's not going to talk tonight. But um, Nash had no update on Kyrie Irving. And the reporting we've gotten about Kyrie Irving, <laughs> we still don't know why he's out. Um, but it's that he's not going to be playing basketball for the rest of this week, at least, right? I think you, I think you said something smart, though, which is rare. Which is rare. Um, that this hardened trade, I don't think this is the motivation, but I think again, I think that's Kyrie calling me. Um, I think there's some motivation that Kyrie's going to feel to be like, oh, hey, we got James Harden. I would like to get back to basketball, right? Like I would like to play basketball again, not knowing why he's out. But if I was someone who was, let's say, I was the greatest painter in the world. And my painter guild just signed Da Vinci. <laughs> Is that how painting works? How Is there, works? Are yeah, there yeah. guilds? There are all these guilds. They compete yeah. against each other in yeah. painting competitions. Yeah. And we just traded with the Italian guild. Yeah. It's da Vinci Italian. I really, I never took art history. He is, yeah. He is. Yeah. And we just signed Da Vinci. I'd be like, time to paint. Yeah. Let's get to that, yeah. that fresco. You're Let's Michelangelo. Fresco. You're like, I got, I got my boy. I'm ready to ride. <laughs> um, it's so incredible, the personalities on this team. I mean, oh, my God. What are we going to – honestly, we're going to have to get a third host in here what? who's just a, a psychologist oh. Like we're, to decipher what's happening with – I mean, Kevin Durant has actually been very – like the, the rap on Kevin Durant was that he was moody. I don't know. He's been great. Like there – no faults, right? Kyrie has been, I will say this, worse than I thought, right? Mm. Like, we did a concern tears thing, and we were like, "Yeah, Kyrie will blow up the season, and we are like, ah, oh, put that at the bottom. I, th- I feel like Kyrie maybe listened to that podcast and was like, wait, hey, I got to <laughs> hold my beer. Like, well, hey, <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> Here you go, guys. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, I've disappear been... and then go on a family birthday party with no mask, and then yeah. I'm going to go on a, a call with... <laughs> Uh, 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 I'm going to go on a Zoom call yeah. during a Nets game. I've built an excessive goodwill. I see. I can spend some of these tokens. That's that's sort of what he said to himself. Yeah. I do want to say, so there's so many thoughts. I'm going to keep it going. The one thing I do think about, which is here's in the positives column, the Nets will have an unprecedented situation where they can stagger the minutes of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, meaning that typically, you know, that like point in, you know, like maybe at the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter where the subs come in and that's where you get the Chris Chioza minutes. The Nets will be stat will be able to stagger minutes where like James Harden is going against the Chris Chiozas of the world 
And maybe even at various times, like during those bench minutes, it's actually also Kevin Durant on the floor or Kyrie Irving on the floor with him. You know, it, like to have those three and to be able to mix and match and say, I'm going to put these two out at this time. I'm like stagger it that way. Amazing. Unprecedented. I love it. People should get excited for that. It's an exciting time, Mike, one way or the other. As guys with podcasts, I mean, that's that's a fun that's a fun situation one way or the other. I mean, it could explode, you know, in, in one way or the other. It's going to be beautiful. A beautiful explosion or a <laughs> beautiful basketball sensational championship winning. Can I, let me ask you this. We, we've talked about this a little bit before. Are you more worried about losing Karis LeVert or Jared Allen? <clears throat> yeah. So obviously my I've, I've prefaced this a little bit or, or um, talked about it. But so Jared Allen for me was like he was really about to, you know, position himself as a pretty um, integral part of, of what we're doing. Uh, so I, I'm just on like for pure on-court reasons. I think Jared Allen is like the thing that we miss and the thing that we will be missing most and like talking about clamoring for all season long for like, how do we fill that? Whatever that's, you know, all the intangibles of that spot. Um, Karis Levert, I will miss him. I've loved my time with Karis Levert, but that kind of output is replicable. Um, we will be able to make up for it. I, I believe Jared Allen, not so much. I don't know. How do you feel? So I was just on, not to promote myself, I was on the Athletic NBA show, which is the company I work for. I was with Mo DeKeel, former film room coordinator for the Clippers and Spurs, uh, Seth Partnow, head of analytics for the Bucks, former head of analytics, and Dave DeFore, one of the great pod- basketball podcasters in the history of the world, and Wozni Lambre, one of the greatest basketball podcasters in the history of the world. And I brought up the, one element about Jared Allen, and they believed that Jared Allen would not have been in this deal if they did not have to include Torian Prince. But of course, they had to re- include Torian Prince to make the contracts work. So then they needed to give the Cavs something to then take on Torian Prince's deal. This is a huge... Torian, I don't want to understate how big of a loss Jared Allen is. Jared Allen was playing amazing for the Nets, and it was exciting. And it wasn't all-star level. I know there was like all-star buzz. It's a big deal. It, I mean, he was playing like Kevin Durant was showing like like real affinity towards Jared Allen. It is interesting, though, in that Nuggets game that Jared Allen started and DeAndre Jordan did not play. DNP'd in that Nuggets game right before this trade happens. And that's a really interesting if we're like if we're Watergate here and we're looking at, you know, who's working with who and who's part of the committee to reelect the president. Um there's a real connection between the committee to reelect the president and Nixon's office. If Nixon's office is the hardened trade and the committee to reelect the president is the Nuggets game on Tuesday night. Because it's very strange to DNP DeAndre at all, even if he, uh, sure, he doesn't play back to backs and he was only going to play against the Knicks. Like that would just, it's just a strange move. He only plays like 18 minutes a game. Why can't he play the next night? with the Knicks. My kind of feeling is that maybe this trade was maybe brewing a bit more than what we believed. It's a huge loss to not have Jared Allen. Huge loss. And you almost are immediately looking for how they can replicate Jared Allen's minutes because even though as exciting as the small ball five Nets are, you still are going to want a real backup center. Nick Claxton isn't that. Reggie Perry isn't that. Jeff Green, I know he's going to be a small ball five. Isn't that, and I love Kevin Durant at the five, 
but you really don't want to play him at the five extended minutes. You're going to need a big, hefty boy. And who's going to build your gaming PCs? How are you going to play competitive Overwatch with those frame rates on that off-the-rack off PC that you buy, you jerk? Have you seen – there's a clip of Jared Allen online. He was on someone's show, like someone's like podcast, and he, the guy was asking him about Kyrie Irving. And Jared Allen was like very sweet guy, just saying like we support him, we love him, blah, blah, blah. Now Jared Allen's gone. Mm. It's very sad. Um, Jared Allen's a huge loss. And, you know, it, it affects this team a lot. But if you're really being honest, uh, I think James Harden's better than Jared Allen. Right? Well, shots fired. Big shots um, fired. Real quick, before I even forget, um, we have fit. We talked about fit. We talked about defense. Does it increase your defensive concerns? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's the big that's the big imbalance right there. Um, Jared Allen, it, it can't be said enough, was covering a whole lot of ground. Uh, he is a his chief value, I would say, in, is in his ability to play in the switch heavy defense that we were playing and pick up, you know, roving guards here and there, and, and like adequately defend that. <clears throat> um, we are yeah light in that very very specific and necessary category. Uh, DeAndre Jordan has like. To my eye, taking like kind of a step back this season from a massive step back. Let's uh, be honest. Yeah, he's kind of weird. So <clears throat> damn disinterested. And I was kind of hoping when this stuff was bubbling up that he would just be included in the Harden trade somehow because he's from Houston. And I was like, eh, maybe they can convince DeAndre Jordan that going home. I'm concerned about DeAndre Jordan, and he doesn't seem to care all that much. Uh, he's not like he's not a sloth out there you know he's not slovenly but I, it's it's got to be said like he we talked about this before when the nets were like wonky like two weeks ago i was like i want to see some dog out there and they got bruce brown who's a dog but deandre really if he wants to win a championship he just has to be like focused in and we talked like he has to do the clockwork orange thing we have to lock him in a, a chair and see violent images for 45 minutes before he plays the game because he's just been like too damn nice and too damn like just like chill bro. It's nice and also it's a little bit like I hate to, I like, I don't know if this is like a thing that's just part of where we're what we're trying to get him to do or like what he's used to be to doing like he's an adequate man to man defender. Like he is sufficient to a certain extent against a yeah. very particular body type. Um and like <laughs> can you define the body type? <laughs> Uh, potato sack, the potato sack body. Yeah. Um, Jared Allen or yeah. Jared Dudley. <laughs> yeah. Jared, Jared Dudley. Um, and he's, he's like super sufficient at doing that. But when it comes to, uh, team defense, I think that this year has been like, he was not ideal at it at any point. Uh, but it seems to me that he's like lost for the first time in a long time in his basketball career. And that like, he just doesn't know where to be at the right time, the right place. Um, and that's like a, there's like a intuition element to that beyond just like trying, like the trying thing is, is one thing. There's also a knowing thing. And I, I hadn't up to this point questioned the knowing and that seems to be, that seems to be a problem all of a sudden, which I, I don't know how to, how to circle that square. Like how, you know, if we're going to continue to play a switch heavy, complicated defense that relies on heavy communication, but like, is it worth doing that? Do we just, do we just like try to 
tone that down a bit. Yeah, they <laughs> no. need to tone that yeah. down. Yeah, it, it it needs to turn into what the Bucks do, which is basically like the center just drops back to the basket, mm-hmm. and there's minimal switching. Yeah, partly also because you do have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant in there. Like yeah. you, like I get it. I like having like an ideal to work towards, but the short term is it's it, it's tough. That's a hard thing to watch when it's not working. And I just want to look at the East for a sec, like. One of the toughest things about Giannis is guarding the rim. And, of course, yeah, DeAndre can still guard the rim, but he's not, like, a dominant rim defender at this point in his career. And you have Philly. And, like, so are we going to go into a playoff series? I know there's another side to this, but are we going to go into a playoff series with, like, DeAndre's guarding Joel Embiid for 36 minutes? Right. That's sort of terrifying. That's that's really what he is. Like, he's, like, a – I wouldn't even say – I think he's, like, a hardcore average post-defender – and that's like his like defense. That's where he hangs his hat defensively. That's, that's where he, that's <laughs> he the thing. literally, he walks in, he punches his card and then yeah. hangs his hat. <laughs> then he just sits down, you know, like the Sopranos when they would have like the, there'd be like the no show jobs where like the guys would show up yeah. at a construction site. <laughs> yeah. Like DeAndre like collects his 10 million. He still smiles and he's a nice guy yeah. and everyone loves him. And he wears, he wears a, he wore a Joe Harris fan club t-shirt to the I, Nuggets I love game. that. I mean, there's, there's yeah. value there. Yeah, absolutely love that. He's not a negative in terms of personality. He's a positive, mm-hmm. but he's the starting center with no backup. There's literally not a backup center. Mm-hmm. Doesn't exist. Jeff yeah. Green, as much as I love him as a five. See, Jeff of, Green is about to get that starting position. <laughs> Jeff Green is, is Jeff just like, ascendant right now. Fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Like Jeff Green is just like, I signed up for 12 minutes a game. Yeah. I did not sign up for <laughs> like to 30, play minutes yeah, against 30 minutes of five. <laughs> okay, yeah. I did not sign up for that. But well, let's talk about the other side of it real quick. Again, it's like so in that that mythical uh, Sixers series or Bucks series, those teams will have to guard Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden and Joe Harris. Like can't forget about Joe Harris. One of the best shooters in the NBA. So while the Nets don't have a center, the center is the least important position in the NBA. They have happened to have the greatest lineup of perimeter talent in maybe the history of the NBA. So that's that's a skill. Real quick, I feel like we should wrap up, but there's one thing I want to say, and I want to I want to get your thoughts on it. As someone who's who's been a lifelong Nets fan, who's followed this team through the worst of it. Who has podcasted through the worst of it? If you're a new listener to our pod, we've been doing this since the KG Paul Pierce trade. That's since, when we started since the D Sloan era. We'd we were, podca- were podcasting D Sloan era before <laughs> Apple had podcasts. We were just mm-hmm. we invented podcasts. Mark yeah, and, uh, and one other person which we won't name. Um, the fear of the KG Paul Pierce trade. <clears throat> mm. Okay. Are you as are you afraid that this is KG Paul Pierce trade 2.0 or do you feel more confident about this trade than you did that trade if we can remember what we felt like back then? Yeah, it's actually interesting because I feel like the I mean it's I I like I understand the impulse to compare the two things obviously. It's a big trade, a lot of picks involved. Blah blah blah, but I actually think it's like a pretty dissimilar trade in in praxis. Like uh the thing that we're giving up is uh, like just in terms of how those two teams were constructed, like we were trying to shore up our star players with that trade, which is what makes it even in hindsight more the 2013 trade more crazy. Like we were, we were just trying to like 
supplement the what we thought was going to be the star trio of Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, and and Brooke Lopez. And in this case, it would be like trading for the Darren Williams or you know wh- whomever is part of the more center triumvirate of of your basketball team. Um, so in that sense, like it's kind of for me like conceptually different. Like we're trading for it would be like more like do you trade Devin Harris for Darren Williams? Like that's the more accurate kind of comparison. Um, and I think you do do that. I, I don't think that trade has as much. I mean, like Darren Williams obviously didn't pan out for a variety of confusing and interesting reasons. Um, but I would compare it more to that. You're, you're going after the star player and then there's subsequent trades to fill out the roster of which uh, you would, you would make that comparison. So for me, it doesn't really bring the specter of that. I get it. That's a lot of first round. That's a lot of picks. It's a lot of future picks and pick swaps and all this good stuff. And uh, what it really has made me also numb to is the importance of picks. I mean, like that's, I mean, I was always kind of numb to it to begin with more, more so than most maybe, but like, I mean, look at where Boston is with all of our picks. Would you, would you want to switch spots with Boston at this moment in time? Uh, you know, there's two ways of going about this thing. I think we're on different, a different trajectory, uh, and I'm, and I'm pretty comfortable with the trajectory, uh, ultimately. So like I, I'm open to the idea that we can be very bad, but it seems to me that with only some, you know, some capable management, you can only be very bad for like a very, like two or three years and then like somewhat bad. And then like to being interesting. And then like, again, you're good. So like very quickly. So I don't think you can be that. I mean, like it takes, there's teams that have been bad for a while for other reasons, but like this particular team doesn't have that same sort of like perpetual badness ceiling. I don't think. Yeah. And I think there's such a difference between two. Like if you look at what KG and Paul Pierce were like, when they came to the nets, their, their ability and what they could contribute them together weren't what James Harden is, right? And so it's like vastly different in that sense. What the Nets actually gave up in 2013 in terms of player talent was less than Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. But again, as you like laid out, they didn't have Kevin Durant already. They didn't have Kyrie Irving already. Kyrie Irving's a better point guard than Darren Williams. It was kind of it's kind of close-ish. Like I don't want to completely discount Darren Williams, even though he was like the primary villain at the beginning of our podcast. He was good. Um, but Kevin Kevin Durant is already, I think, proven to be a top five offensive player in the NBA this season right now, you know, even with his injury recovery. Um, and those draft picks, yeah, they're a lot. They're big. It's tough to think about the fact that like the Nets over a span of a decade and a half going from the beginning of the KG Paul Pierce trade, which was eight years ago, and then going eight years forward, basically, or seven years forward, won't have a consequential draft for those 15 years is kind of incredible. Like, we suffered through all the times when there was the lottery and the Nets would be in the lottery, but then the card would actually be for the Celtics because they own the Nets draft pick. And then the Hawks own the Nets draft pick for the swaps for the Joe Johnson trade. So, like, we're, we're used to seeing that, and that sucks, and it's boring, and it's shitty. And, I, you know, I kind of hate when you look on, like, certain draft websites, and it said the Nets drafted, like, Jason Tatum or whatever it was. But still, if you look at it currently, um, the Nets are getting James Harden, 
to add to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And let's say for the next three drafts, those picks are like in the 30s. And the other thing to think about is that, okay, let's say the doomsday scenario happens, right? The Nets suck. The Nets implode right now. Right now, Kyrie Irving implodes. James Harden, Kevin Durant implode. Well, they kind of control James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving's contracts. So they could flip them. Like, let's say James Harden does what he just did and, like, hates what hates what's going on in Brooklyn. They could flip him for someone else or for draft picks, even if it's, like, three first-round picks as opposed to seven. <laughs> like, they could do that. Where with Brooklyn or with, with the Boston trade, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce would never have value again for the rest of their career. So it's just a different trade. There's a different ability, all this stuff. It matters, and the scars of the 2013 draft are still there. But it's it's like surviving a house fire and then getting in a car crash. Mm. They're different things, Brian. <laughs> you know? Nice. I love that. Um, I think we should wrap up. Yeah, please. Are the Nets the NBA Finals favorites? Oh, um, <clears throat> I think it really does depend on the Kyrie Irving situation um, for that to just be like a full-throated yes. I hope this gets him out of out of the funk, out of bed, out of whatever it is that he's in. I hope it gets him out. Like we need him. We need the guy. Come on back. Come on back, Kyrie. It's just like a. It's like it. It is a. Um, it's a complicated and like. Uh, you want to be sympathetic feeling, but like there's also a part of, I feel genuinely, I'm a nice guy. Mike, would you say like, I generally like think nice things about people. You don't, you disagree. I wouldn't say, I, I would not say that, but it yeah. is, he is Kyrie Irving. Don't put words is, in my mouth. It's like, te- like tests everybody to this, like very interesting. Like I have given him the benefit of the doubt. I've called him a chill bro throughout his entire stay here. Um, while understanding that there is large, political upheaval, blah, 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 all this stuff going around. And still yet, I'm like a little bit like, hey, buddy, hey, guy, I thought we were chill bros. I thought this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, so that that all of it rests on that that happening. Like, let's let's assume that that figures itself out relatively soon. I'm, I'm with it. I'm putting my hat in. I, I put the bet down today that we make it to the finals. That's how serious I am. I I honestly... If all goes according to plan, yeah. I don't see how this doesn't become like an amazing situation. Just I haven't said this before, but Kevin Durant learned to play with Steph Curry. Kyrie Irving won a, and it won, a, won two championships. Uh, Kyrie Irving played with LeBron and won a, won a championship and learned to do it and did it well. James Harden has learned to play with Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. And with Chris Paul nearly knocked off the Warriors in the Western Conference. These are all guys who have done it with other electric talents. So I I bristle at the suggestion that these guys can't share the ball because they all have done it. Now, they haven't done it to this extent that they're going to have to share the ball. And Steve Nash, we have who we haven't even talked about, is going to have to figure out how to work it all together. Though he does have Mike D'Antoni, who obviously coached James Harden for a number of seasons. Um, the Nets have more talent than anyone in the Eastern Conference. The Nets have more talent than anyone in the NBA. Like, even if you look at just their bench real quick. So the starting unit is Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris. Still on their bench. It's people we like. Landry Shamit, Tyler Johnson, 
Timothy Luello Cabarro, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, Reggie Perry, Chris Chioza, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who may come back at the end of the year, which would be kind of a crazy wild card if Spencer yeah, Dinwiddie. Yeah, that is. We haven't thought about that. So literally the only thing that I would say I would want out of that unit is I just want like a a like a a big ugly center. Just a big <laughs> ugly backup center, like a big Hideous. chunky guy. Yeah. Something wrong with his face. Yeah, I just yeah. want a big ugly center. And yeah. if you gave me a big fat ugly center yeah. as a backup, give me that. You know? Who's the guy <clears throat> in Golden State that they had um in, in Golden State? Yeah, who was he was the backup center. He he was famous for like stepping on people's feet. Oh 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 god! Yeah, oh. you could see his face, right? Oh, big ugly backup center that we can't remember. But give me that guy right after everyone's yelling at the. Yeah. yeah, it's a fun. I mean, hey, we should. I mean, we should get out of here. But this is quite a, a career that we've built. This is the highest concentration of talent and prickliness of any of any <laughs> triumvirate I've ever seen. It's gonna be good, Mike. It's gonna be nice. Thank you all for listening. We'll be here all season. The Glue Guys. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Search The Glue Guys. Uh, that's our podcast. Uh, you can find us on Nets Daily, The Athletic, at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. Go on iTunes right now. Rate us. Review us. Five stars. We need them. We want to have them. Yeah. Brian, the Michael, Nets are back. They're back. <laughs>